Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast World Cup Daily. Day 23 of World Cup 2018 is done. Brian Strauss and I will be talking about that as part of our podcast, coming to you daily from Russia through July 16th. Just a small request, it would be a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us. In this episode, I'm also joined by Kobe Jones of Fox Sports. Onward! Let's bring in Brian Strauss from his lair in St. Petersburg. I am back at my usual spot next to the motorcycles in Moscow. Um, Brian, quite a couple games today. Yeah, today was awesome. Varsity bracket, baby! (laughs) Brazil is out. Belgium 2, Brazil 1. Just... uh, thrilling game actually especially the first half but the second half too just to see if brazil could get back in it uh the other game earlier obviously was uh france two uruguay zero minus edinson cavani um we'll talk about that as well but i want to talk brazil belgium because uh there are no south american teams left in this world cup uh neymar is out so all the truly biggest international stars individually are out um and I think Belgium deserved this. You? Yeah, I do too. And um, and I was I was thinking as I watched. I mean, the, the last twenty minutes were just. Um, so I'm staying in the hotel from The Shining, <laughs> just so everybody understands. <laughs> and um, one of the interesting things about this hotel, well, the, the the World Cup is on two networks here. One is called Match, and the other is Russia One. I mean, the channel is Russia One, and they do not get that channel at my hotel. <laughs> Sorry. It's Russia won. Anyway, so I had to like stumble around a, a new city I'm not familiar with and try to find a, a spot to watch the game. I walked in just as um, Belgium was scoring its second goal uh, on, on the De Bruyne shot. Um, and so it took me a while to get into the game. But obviously the second half was just edgier seat stuff and watching Brazil try to find a way to pick that lock, give themselves false hope. Um, with the with the Augusto goal, um, and then you know see see Neymar get saved, um, Coutinho blow a, a wide open look, and I was thinking to myself like, would you rather lose like this? Or would you rather just lose seven one? Yeah. Would, would you rather just be over after after half an hour and 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 you just can kind of come to terms with it? I mean that was absolute agony, and then of course at the very end the karmic moment where. Um, Neymar flies through the air in the penalty area and did look like he got poked in the eye a little bit, um, but he was never going to get that call. It was just never going to happen for him. Um, and uh, it was just a, a real um, visceral way uh, to see this this uh, clash of the titans end. It was, a, it was a remarkable game. Well, there was also a terrific save by Thibaut Courtois on Neymar very late in this game um, that helped save it for Belgium. You mentioned the chance that Coutinho had. Augusto had another chance not long after they'd gotten their first goal that he was wide open and inexplicably hit it wide. And I just felt like the goal was going to come for Brazil. And it never did. I kind of felt like it wasn't going to come. Really? Why? Yeah, no reason. Just the feeling. Just the feeling. watching. They, they didn't... They, they First of all, the, the way Brazilians touch the ball is it has always been remarkable to me and this is apropos of nothing i just want to say this that that you can t- like if, if a guy's not wearing the uniform and you don't know who he is the way brazilians receive a ball it just looks different and i can't explain how it it's like how i knew you know henderson was going to miss his penalty i it just it just looks different and 
you're just going to have to accept that, not you, Grant. Um, <laughs> but you know, it just there was something about there was just something about um, the, the they seemed frantic. Um, you know, uh, you knew Courtois was going to make a play, make a save. He seemed in command. He wasn't giving up rebounds. Um, and and Belgium was just so dangerous on the other end. Hazard today was just, I mean, and, and even though the final product sometimes was lacking, I mean, there were a few times where he, he'd blow through three or four players and then sort of hit an inexplicably bad pass. Of course, you're tired at that point. Um, but, but even still, he was a magnet for the ball. Uh, his read of the game was just world class. And there was something about Brazil, uh, Belgium being just as dangerous when the ball was going the other end that made me feel like they had things in control. And, and I can't explain that, but that's the way it went down. Yeah, my feeling that the word I felt was calmness about Hazard on the ball was like there was this frenetic game going on all over the field. But when the ball came to Hazard, even if he had one or even two Brazilian defenders draped on him, there was a calmness that you you knew he would make the right decision and had the ability to do with the ball what was necessary. And sometimes he was more conservative and he'd draw a foul or sometimes he would take a bit more of a risk, but he would be able to pull it off most of the time. And yeah, I just he was hit hard a few times. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt like Hazard is just so reliable. Even when he's not you know, doing everything right. A hundred percent of the time, he's a guy that, doesn't hide from the ball in situations like that. Rob Stone! Um, and I I think that's really impressive. I also just think the whole front three, Lukaku and De Bruyne, were fantastic along with Hazard tonight. Uh, Lukaku, once again, not doing the main thing that he's charged with, which is scoring goals, but also being a huge factor on the decisive goal that De Bruyne did score on that play, doing such great work to set it up. Um and then De Bruyne, you know, moved higher on the field by Martinez. Uh, a really smart move, I thought. Uh, you know, he was He's able. He's your boy. Roberto's your boy. And you know what's interesting is I hear a lot of uh, negativity about Roberto Martinez, uh, including uh, in the Fox green room from various sorts. And I'm, I'm kind <laughs> Throw of. Out. Throw him under the bus right now. And. and I understand that things went south at Everton, but I don't think Roberto Martinez is out of his depth, and I've heard that at times during this World Cup. And I think he's lost one game. He's lost us one game as Belgium coach. Right. And so I think he made some good moves to go with the guys that worked so well in the second half against Japan to bring on Chadley and Fellaini from the start in this game to sit. Carrasco to sit Mertens because that even though Mertens hasn't been terrible it meant that De Bruyne could play that position and have the freedom to be very offensively focused and he had a huge impact um Thierry Henry is now going to go up and be a Martino's assist Martinez's assistant or as the Brits would say Martinez um <laughs> don't get me started assistant. <laughs> his assistant uh is Thierry Henry um, who now will coach against France in a World Cup semifinal. Ooh, I hadn't thought of that, a, yeah. A delicious, uh, a delicious subplot. Also, everyone should, should go to our predictions page that we put out before the World Cup and look at only the left side of my bracket. 
<laughs> that's what that's what uh, no uh, Fellaini was exactly the right choice today um, he, he's a marauder he protects the back four he knocks heads he looks ridiculous um, <laughs> he, he Martinez just yes he pushed the right buttons and and this was and I wrote this in my quarterfinal sort of big narrative picture preview this was Brazil's first big test of, of this World Cup and, and they didn't pass it right. um and they went out to Germany in in uh, 14, and they went out to the Netherlands in 2010. Um, Zinedine Zidane, a performance I'll, I'll always remember uh, for the rest of my life um, in that quarterfinal in Germany in 2006. So is a pattern starting to develop where, where Brazil, um, whether they come in as a flamboyant attacking side, whether they're a Dunga-esque sort of monstrosity, whether they're supposedly this balanced group, the best of both worlds that Chicha brought in, when they run up against elite European teams in the latter stages, it's not enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wasn't totally impressed with them in the first half tonight. I mean, they had some chances early, actually, in this game uh, and didn't take advantage of them. They put the ball off the post after the early corner. Lexi! Cheaters don't prosper. Cheaters don't <laughs> prosper. <laughs> I love the term how cheater has been used. Usually, did he did Alexi did Alexi go on a Neymar rant or something? Is that he is must that, have just uh, done that? But the like, residue of okay. I know Alexi's greatest hits, which include sort of a defensive diving, but um, and also a bit of a and I agree with this a. Uh, making fun of people who use the term cheating to describe um, certain types of plays, but not other types of plays in soccer. Well, I mean, Alexi, Alexi made a really nice living, you know, <laughs> tugging jerseys and practicing <laughs> some of the defensive dark arts. So, um, you know, he 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 did he had a nice career, kind of kind of knowing exactly where that line was. So good for him. Um. But I, I wonder how people are going to look back at this Neymar World Cup as well. And we, I think it's unfortunate that some of his play acting, which continued tonight, by the way, where he, took a, he tried to draw a penalty with no contact from Fellaini in the box. And then, weirdly, the referee made the signal that he was going to go to the VAR. And then Neymar said, no, let's get, let's get the ball back in play because I think he maybe realized that if he looked at the VAR, Neymar was going to get a yellow that would have caused him to be suspended for the next game. It was, it was a oh, hilarious, comical situation. Well, there were a few times where he would take a... He didn't do as much rolling and flailing tonight. He didn't do see. as much. Yeah. Um, he's also just such a wonderful player. He's so dangerous and so explosive and, and, and so slick. Um, and uh, he was he was the danger man tonight for for Brazil. He yeah. was the one pulling the strings for Brazil. So, um, you know, it'll go down as I don't know how it'll go down. Um, you know, he, he went out in the quarters. And to be honest, to be blunt, I don't know that those are the teams that are remembered that much. I mean, I think there's certainly a real not difference. in Brazil. Yeah. I mean, I think I think I think this is the stage teams that make the semis teams that make the final four those are the those are the games and the teams and the runs and the moments and the stories that you remember decades later and and i think a lot a lot happens at this stage of a tournament that sort of separates you know the legendary and the memorable and the and the, and the, and the players and the countries that are in the right sort of place um in terms of their development both individually and collectively um 
and, and, and that group gets separated out from sort of all of the pretenders, whether they're your Brazils, whether they're your maybe, you know, Russia tomorrow. Um, this is this is where the line is. And so I don't know if Brazil's world. I don't know if Neymar's World Cup will be remembered. Um, and, and he's got two he's got two tough ones on his resume now. Um, obviously, we all know what happened four years ago. So, Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess what I would say is... He plays a mean chariots of fire on the piano, though. I want to give him that. Good to, good to know. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think he had some great moments on the field in this tournament that are going to be obscured by uh, the, the overacting. And I hope he gets it out of his game uh, soon, sooner rather than later. Um, but uh, the other game, let's talk about briefly. Uh, France, two... Uruguay zero. Cavani didn't play. That hurt Uruguay. And I was impressed by France's ability to play a different way than they played against Argentina and to win that way. Belgium ruined France's chance to win the Copa America. What? They would have had to have beaten oh. Argentina, Uruguay, and Brazil to get to the final. So True. Give them, give them the trophy. Um, yeah, I mean, it was not. I mean, everyone, everyone who's listened to this probably watched it. I mean, it was a grind of a game. Um, you had a you had a a team missing missing obviously a key attacking piece against against a French team that clearly is going to just work as hard as they have to. That, that that that's just what they're going to be. And and um, you know they're not gonna gonna give us fireworks unless they're necessary. Um, if they need to win, as you said, if they need to win a grind of a game by grinding a little bit back, they're going to do it. Um, it. It just looks like they're going to do the minimum to get through. And that's been sort of, that's been the case for recent champions, right? I mean, Germany didn't blossom till the, till the Brazil game four years ago. They, they went to overtime against Algeria, if right. you remember, in the round right. of 16. And then I covered their quarterfinal against France at the Maracana, and that was that was a grind. That was a an early uh, set piece goal by Mats Hummels, and then like seventy five minutes of just Germany kind of trying to clog the midfield and hold on. And and so so Germany going into the semis wasn't uh, you know didn't look like the team that was about to lift the trophy. Four years before that, Spain um, beat Paraguay one nothing in a quarterfinal. Needed like an eightieth minute goal from David Villa off a shitty rebound. And I think even afterward, they were kind of uh, Del Bosco was saying, "Yeah, we're not playing good. We're not playing our best. You know, we're worried about Germany in the semifinal." And then, boom! Spain plays a legendary game against Germany in the semifinal, goes on to win the cup. So, so y- you don't need to necessarily be playing your best football um, to win in the quarterfinal, to to win a World Cup at this stage. But you got to in the next game. And so now again, when will France turn it on? Can France turn it on? We'll find out. Did you realize that you just pronounced Maracana the same way that a British person would say Martinez? I, I've told you that I can't speak. <laughs> I'm not a professional speaker. I, I, I shouldn't even be doing this. So that's different. That's different from a professional talker person butchering a word. I'm a writer person. I have no idea what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Oh boy. Um it's been fun doing these things, man. We are in the home stretch of our daily World Cup podcast. The last one comes out on the 16th. Today is the 6th. And so there's going to be a lot to talk about in we the coming talk, days. We got to talk about how we're going to do the show on the 16th cuz I'm going to be on a plane all day. Oh really? Yeah. Um we should have a meeting about that. 
Yeah, we might have to have a talk about that, but um, lots to happen between now and then. Yes, also, plenty to go. And and I lost my credit card today too. So if anyone has found that, um, <laughs> please let me know. Um, Jesus, I'm going to spend the rest of the World Cup um, panhandling. So, oh. did you call your credit card company? I got to do that. All right. Well, appreciate you talking on the pod. Let's do it again tomorrow. All right, man. Big thanks to Brian Strauss. Next up is my interview with Kobe Jones. Let's bring in our interview guest for today. It's my Fox Sports colleague, Kobe Jones. Thanks for joining me. No problems. Happy to be here in Moscow. I like it. Yeah, you're going to get a little ambient noise here, the real Moscow feeling. Uh, we are out uh, just outside the Fox green room before we go on our show tonight. Watch us on World Cup tonight. We're on every night. Our, our motorcycle friend going by right now. Um, let's talk about tonight. I mean, Brazil... The tank goes by us or a big... Hey, I, I apologize for this, but, you know, I don't get out much with this time change. You know, I'm stuck in the hotel and on the studios. I wanted to be outdoors, you know? So, so Brazil's out. The last South American team in the tournament is out. Belgium 2, Brazil 1. Thoughts on the game? I thought, I thought it was a fabulous game, and people will talk about, you know, how Belgium won 2-0 to zero and that result will come out. But it really, if people remember, the beginning of this match, it was going back and forth, and Brazil had the better chances. Probably the, uh, the ball awkwardly fell to the feet, I think, a couple of times to Brazilians inside the six, yeah. but they couldn't finish it. You know? And then all of a sudden, the own goal comes about, you know, off of Fernandinho, and then everything changed. Brazil had to push a little bit more. They opened up a bit more, and Belgium tactically very sound, and it played right into how they like to play. We saw them against Japan just come in that last goal, the third goal for the counter, and they used that consistently with Lukaku, you know, being strong up top and holding the ball, Hazard coming out of the midfield, and De Bruyne starting up top but dropping into that midfield so they could play out and around, and I don't think, you know, Fernandinho and Paulinho had enough to really, to, to really hold them down. Did you think... You know, the onslaught from Brazil really came in the last 20 minutes. They got one goal back right after Renato Augusto came on. Neymar had a, a great shot stopped by terrific save by Courtois late. Did you think Brazil was going to get the equalizer? Yes, I did, because that's the way this tournament has gone. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was close to it with Neymar's, uh, you know, yeah. fabulous shot at the very end. But, you know, the save came about. But I, I thought... You know, th this was the chance, you know, for Brazil to come back. Over the last 20 minutes, they completely dominated. You know, they had uh, Belgium up against the ropes, yeah. but they just couldn't finish it off. And, you know, I was thinking, like a lot of people, you know, extra time. This is where another <laughs> game's going to be decided. You know, we're going to go into overtime. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, they, they weren't able to, you know, to pull that off. Does it say something that you're not seeing any South American teams in the semifinals? I think it's just a sign of the times that maybe, you know, the European game, you know, is a little bit better. The European player is a little bit better right now. And, and I, I truly mean right now because we see, you know, it's like a seesaw. Yeah. You know, that, that's the nature of this sport. That's the nature of soccer from you see, OK, the top players are from South America at one point, And then it seems to switch back to Europe. Uh, we see top players coming from other countries starting to kind of rise. I mean, you could argue, you know, there's a significant difference between, you know, Western Europe and Eastern Europe, you know, type of players. So, you know, that, that's just the nature of the sport between players, between style of play as well. We've seen that big transition, you know, happening. So the, I, I, I never want to say something's going to rule, you know, for quite some 
some time. But right now, yes, Europe has the upper hand. When we've talked about this Belgium team over the last six to eight years, it seems like there's always talk of these big names we've gotten to know in the Premier League and other European leagues. But there was always a sense that they weren't as good as the sum of their parts. Um, and that as a team, they, 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 you know, you thought they'd be better than they were. They went out in the quarters of the year or the quarters of the last World Cup. Has anything changed in your mind? And as a guy who's been on so many teams in your career, what is required for that to change? Uh you know, quite a bit. There, there. For any team, there has to be a sense of unity, a sense of, and there's two levels to it. A sense of, okay, we don't care what the public thinks. We're a group and we're tight knit together. And then there's also a sense that people don't talk about so much. It's we don't care what the the coach and the managers doing. We've got to get a result. You know, on the on the field because we're the players we're the 11 and the 18 that have to get it done so there's there's two levels of it that if all of that comes together i those are the teams that i've been on that have had the greatest results because not only are you united on the field but you're also united off the field where you have a good rapport now by that i mean you you work well together you have fun together but it doesn't mean that you have to like everybody you right. know all the time you're not best friends but when you're working together you know, and you have that rapport, it, it, it comes across, you know, on the field. And I would say, you know, touching on that, I think it's interesting that if you look at the three of the few squads that are there, a lot of questions have been about them over the years. England, you yeah. know, perfect example. France, we saw a lot of questions about them coming together as a unit. And, uh, you know, they, 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 those two have, have found a way. You know, it's been pretty good. I mean, now we'll see if the discussion ends up changing as, as more games take place. But I think most people would say that the two favorites to win this tournament are probably France and Belgium based on what we've seen on the field. Yeah. Do you have a choice between the two? They'll play each other in the next game. Yeah, it, it's, a funny, it's a funny thing. I, I, I've said beforehand, and this will sound like a cop-out, but I've said beforehand that I lo- like Belgium's style and, uh, you know, they look like a powerful team, you know, going forward. And... And it's almost that little want. Well, there, there's a definite want to have somebody new yeah, in the World yeah, Cup, you course. know, outside the same old, same old. So I would like to see that. But then I've always been a Francophile, you know, okay. as well. You know, I, yeah, I took French in high school, you know, all that, all that type <laughs> of stuff. You know, so I, I like that, that French style, you know, yeah. as well. So when it, when it comes down to it, you know, I would say it, it, it doesn't matter to me too much. I want to have a good game, but I do think whoever – wins on that that side that left side of the bracket i think has the advantage because they've gone through a tougher route probably to get to the final here's another point that i would make is and i'll even apply this to u.s soccer culture Mm -hmm. we sometimes hear in the u.s that oh maybe we won't be able to mix the different styles of the read the different ethnicities and backgrounds that we see in american soccer but then you look at belgium and you look at france and there's a lot of different ethnic backgrounds on that on both those teams across the board and they yeah. seem to do a pretty good job mixing yeah. different backgrounds different playing styles into a very coherent very effective playing style yeah i don't give a lot of credence to that that statement that people put out there that all oh, these styles how are we going to get them to gel together well it, it's pretty simple you get a coach that makes the way that you want to play and he brings in the players that fit that's that coach's style of play you know that that's what it comes down to every team you know uh, throughout the years you know they they 
change their styles depending on the coaching. You know, I mean, we had a great conversation about Spain, how they used to be, what do they call, well, you probably know, the, what do they call them, the Furia? The, the, the uh, Furia Roja. No, the Furia Roja. And they were just like, ah, wasn't pretty style of play. And they just go, go, go. But then all of a sudden they came in the, the possession-oriented type yeah. of play. So they change your style depending on the coach and what they want to accomplish. So in the U.S., I think we've just got to find, which is, you know, we're going through the process now, the coach that is going to come in with a certain style and give him the time to bring in the players to kind of incorporate, you know, what we want. And then that, you know, in general should bleed down because I'm a big believer of you play a certain way and you bring players in mm-hmm. to fit that style of play rather than, oh, we got this player, let's change again. You yeah. know, oh, we got this and change again. Okay. Mm-hmm. For you, what has it been like? Because you started this tournament in California. You called several games out there, really enjoyed those calls, and then you parachuted into Moscow. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. And, <laughs> and suddenly you're in the middle of all this, 10 time zones away from where you just were, and it's all it's all happening still. Yeah. <laughs> What's that been like? Uh, it, it's been crazy. That's why I wanted to be outside, you know, getting the time <laughs> change and you're sleeping when you should be awake and you're awake when you should be asleep. You know, it, it throws you off, but it, it's been incredible. I have been to Moscow once, you know, quite some time ago with the mm-hmm. national team. But it was one of those whirlwinds, you know, you're in the day before you play the game and then you're out. So to be here during the World Cup and then to be here during that game where Russia actually gets the result against Spain, it was incredible. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, I don't think the vibe is incredible. But as far as the city itself, I don't think people realize, you know, this is it's like a European vibe, you know, yeah. a very um, multinational, you know, city, an international city, you know, yeah. so to speak, as far as the, the people and everything that's here. It's great. It's great to see and to feel the energy, you know, that that is uh, kind of been going on here within the city. It's now it's definitely changed as yeah. there hasn't been a couple of games in Moscow right. you know, over the over these past uh, or today or right. tomorrow. But. I expect it to pick up, you know, once again in the next round. I think uh, it will, too. And I think also, you know, the South American fan bases came here in big numbers, um, more than the European countries even. So even yeah. though we're in Europe, we haven't seen as many European fans. I do th- wonder now if, like, more England fans might come in and whoever, t- whichever team ends up heading to the, the semis and the final, that they may come in bigger numbers. Yeah, I think you're going to be – there's probably a lot of people, you know uh, – you know, after the games tomorrow that are going to be online yeah. searching for tickets that are for sale, you yeah. know, but I, I think you will have um, a lot of fans coming in, you know, for these yeah. games. I mean, you look as I think everything is going out and everyone's starting to pay attention and everyone's seeing all the activity and everything going around this World Cup and the and the city of Moscow. It's been amazing. You know, I, I would highly recommend it. You know, it's, it's uh, and it's been great, like as you mentioned, as you touched on, to see the, the South Americans and the uh, North Americans too. A lot of Mexican fans, yeah. you know, were here, and just just the different and variety of fan bases that were right. here in Moscow is is incredible to see. You know, there everybody was everybody was represented. Yeah. You know, during this time. I would suggest to anyone listening, if you haven't been to a World Cup, go to a World Cup sometime. Just you know, obviously, I hope your team is involved. But even if it's not, yeah. it's worth going to just for the experience and being on the ground. You feel like you're in the center of the universe. Uh, you can see Kobe Jones on World Cup tonight. Uh, on Fox. That's on every night, midnight Eastern on Big Fox, uh, or as I've instructed to say, just Fox, (laughs) and on FS1, usually around 10 p.m. Eastern. Kobe, thanks for joining me. No problems. Thanks, Greg. 
Thanks for listening to the Planet Football World Cup Daily Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss and Kobe Jones, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It really does help the cause if you do, and we'll see you tomorrow. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? the number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast. Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.